All righty. Hello, everybody. Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome. So glad to be in community with all of you. Thank you so much for joining. Hello, hello, everybody. Good evening. Thank you so much for your patience. We're going to give it a little bit more time uh, to allow folks to come in. Thank you so much. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We're excited. I hope you all are enjoying this nice nigun that we have going on here in the background to ground us. Hello, everybody. Good to see you folks. All right. We are going to go ahead and start now that we've given a little time. And folks can join as, as, as they come in. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for, for being on time with us today and joining our event that we are so excited to, to present to you all with our great friend Irv here, who has just been a blessing in our work. And uh, my great mentor, Rabbi Shmuley Anklowitz, uh, almost immediately, we were, we were always talking, he was always talking to me about how, how great Irv is and all his work and passion. Uh, and it's funny because Irv said, don't believe him. Uh, but if there's uh, one person in, in the community that I really trust is Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz, who has just been a blessing. And if he talks to me about uh, somebody who's just a great mensch, then that's me is, is, is a, a, an amazing person. So uh, I'm super excited and happy to introduce uh, today's event in, in partnership with Arizona Jews for Justice here locally in Arizona, mobilizing the progressive Jewish community towards social action. My name is Eddie Chavez Calderon. I am a DACA recipient uh, who is in the blessings and, uh, and working towards his uh, full conversion with Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. So I am super happy to be able to present all of these amazing events with y'all. I'm gonna introduce my great friend Irv here. Uh, who uh, we're just so happy that he's uh, having an event with us. Irv Hirschenbaum uh, uh, has worked uh, with the UFW since 1972, beginning as a college student in New York. Irv organized support committees to work for the boycott of grapes, lettuce, and gallo wines. He received a BA in history from the State University of New York and a master's degree from Cornell University in the Industrial and Labor Relations. He is the son of immigrants of immigrant parents who came to the United States as refugees from the Second World War. Irv was appointed by Cesar Chavez in 1991 to be the UFW's National Executive Board and was elected in 1992 as the UFW's second vice president. In 1996, Irv was elected as the first vice president of the UFW. It is my great honor and pleasure to introduce a great, amazing leader, Irv, take it away. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank, thanks, Eddie. I appreciate the good work you're doing. Uh, and you also should mention that you're uh, a family of farm workers. So it's great to have you. I feel like I'm speaking to, uh, uh, to family. We've had a, a horrible situation with the COVID virus. I want to let people know that. Um, uh, we need to increase our base of people who um, uh, support us. So uh, with technology, everybody can become a supporter by going to ufw.org. So if you're not part of that, please do that and join people. We started a page for farm workers and people have joined from all over the country. 40,000 workers are on Alerta Campesina. So that's a major vehicle where we bring up uh, what workers, what rights workers have, and um, and, uh, and 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 can actually dialogue with workers about some of their issues. Uh, in the alert we just put out, um, I can't tell you how much public support means to the farm workers who work day and night. Many of them work and live in close quarters, and uh, they risk their lives. Gabriela Manhivar says, "We go to work." risking our lives and our families' lives. Aurelia Bautista adds, I worry a lot, especially because we are in great danger while working in the fields. We're afraid of getting the virus. This summer, as you know, there were record-setting heat waves along with massive wildfires with smoky ash-filled air. Now, in wintertime, workers work in, in rain, mud, and cold. 
the UFW has been uh, heavily involved in providing emergency food, COVID-19 masks, and we were able to procure 50,000 special N95 masks so workers could work, uh, who were made to work with the smoky air. And uh, we fight for respect, fair wages, healthcare, and life-changing union contracts. So I think Thanksgiving, need, we need to reroute Thanksgiving. It needs to be a holiday to celebrate the people who make Thanksgiving possible, uh, the farm workers. So I asked Shmuley that I wanted to speak to this group. And this is now, you're all part of our official Thanksgiving organizing uh, committee. And so uh, back to COVID again, we're fighting with, with employers that don't provide masks, don't do social distancing, uh, where the working conditions are bad, where there's no hazardous pay and where they don't quarantine with pay. Farm workers are essential workers. They need to be treated as such. And we are gonna be fighting when the vaccine gets tested for farm workers to be uh, given vaccines along with other essential workers. You can't Zoom the food you eat. Farm workers have to do that work and they're doing that. The biggest victory we've had in the last five years has been the overtime bill. We fought for that and got it phased in in 2016. And more recently, we formed a coalition with the United Farm Workers Foundation. We set up a foundation to do immigration reform with the Cesar Chavez Foundation does fantastic work on providing affordable housing and educational radio and education. And, uh, and us, uh, to provide over a million meals to farm workers. And I can't tell you uh, the other big partner was Jose Andres from the World Central Kitchen that made this possible. So th those, these four organizations were able to do that um, to, help, um, to help the farm workers. So I'm gonna plug again, ufw.org. And uh, I just wanna tell you a little bit more about why, why people should be involved. When you help the farm workers, you help the most vulnerable workers, the most essential workers, the people who provide the food for all of us. And my personal story, uh, Eddie mentioned, my, my parents were both tailors. And when they came to this country as garment workers, they were in high demand. They immediately joined the unions and were provided a living wage and were able to become a middle class. We need to do that again. Right now, we went from a very large middle class few rich people, few poor people, relatively speaking, to an inverted pyramid, plenty of rich people and a huge number of poor people with the middle class being pressured. So we're, we're very fortunate that Joe Biden gets that. He's president. We backed Kamala Harris for a president. She authored a bill to provide overtime for farm workers nationally that's still waiting in the legislature and when she became uh, vice president, we were, we were elated. So we have somebody who could do something. And, and Cesar Chavez's granddaughter, Arturo, our former president's daughter, Julie Chavez Rodriguez, is in Biden's cabinet, running intergovernmental inter relationships. So she's the liaison with all the governors, state legislators, and uh, tribal leaders. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure that uh, Shmuley was on, and we could save this for another interview to talk about my personal motivations. Uh, my, pa my, my parents were Holocaust survivors. My mom is still living. Um, and uh, uh, the, the struggle for economic justice is uh, what motivates me. And that's a very strong motivation. Uh, in addition to how important having unions and a living wages, uh, we see what happens. I watched uh, 12 Angry Men recently for the first time. And the phrase that stuck with me is bigotry um, obscures injustice. So if you haven't seen that movie, you'll, you'll see what I mean. I also wanted to do a shout out to Liz Freeman and Ann Freeman's um, older sister. She was the UFW's first martyr. Um, to my friends at the Stiebel Minion and ECAR, which was co-sponsoring this event. The other thing people need to know about me was that English was not my first language. I spoke Yiddish. That was spoken in my parents' household. 
I lost, I lost it, but I still love the uh, Yiddish culture uh, very strongly. So when Caesar, Dolores Huerta actually recruited me as a college student when we got the, um, we we're doing a lettuce boycott at my university. I was influenced to become a full-time staffer by Fred Ross, who trained Cesar Chavez. And Fred Ross called Cesar Chavez an organizational genius. I have here a nice picture of a book that's in paperback, which is Cesar Chavez's and the movement's autobiography. You should order it to read during the COVID uh, reading. And I have another artifact here, a picture of myself, 35 years old with Cesar Chavez in New York at LaGuardia Airport, where he's supporting the, the uh, airline pilots fighting Frank Lorenzo at, at one of the airlines. So we've always believed in solidarity. And that comes to the more, most important reason why I think people should support the farm workers. If the farm workers win, the, the Latino community is inspired, other workers are inspired, and progressives are inspired. If the farm workers can do it, people feel they can do it. And that's the motto we have of, of uh, CICE Puede. Um, the other big news is people don't realize that um, immigration reform is our most critical issue. We've been fighting for it for many years. And with the help of, of uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, it passed the House of Representatives, a compromise bill with 37 Republicans joining us, the Democrats. And uh, the bill provides for no more deportations of farm workers and a path to legalization and then citizenship. We need the Senate to pass the same bill. And Joe Biden told us he'd be more than happy to sign it. He endorsed our efforts. So the Georgia race um, is critical to provide two more senators. Our team has already hired one person to work down there, and our team is going to go in full force starting December 1st. So if anyone would like to help us call into Arizona, join the team in, in the Arizona uh, areas to work, uh, please uh, email me or email uh, Uri Tzedek uh, to Eddie. You can flash the email, and he'll forward it to us. Because that's a critical race. If we can get those two senators, it'll move things to the left. And people say, well, no se puede. It can't work in Georgia. I said, well, Joe Biden got elected, uh, won Georgia, and he won with an African-American woman vice president. So don't tell me it can't be done. We could do this. And we could elect a Warnock senator and Ossoff uh, senator as well. Um, so immigration reform is critical for us. It already passed the House. We can get this done. And then uh, what I really work on most, most of the time with the union is contacting organizations. And I see Donna Cerrone, who works with me, is on the line also. Um, and what we do is we contact organizations, ask them to come to an event where they hear what's going on, and they, um, and they, and they contribute. And, and she organizes four fundraisers a year, um, helping us uh, do that. And so um, when we're not doing that, um, I work on contract campaigns. Uh, right now we have a big issue with Primex, a, a large uh, pistachio producer, which not only didn't give people masks, they wanted to charge them $8. Uh, when workers were tested positive, no pay, they brought them back to work. So that out of a plant of 450 uh, pistachio workers, 150, were um, uh, tested positive and their families are sick. Uh, and they fired the people who were up so upset they called us and organized the one day stoppage. We're waiting for the National Labor Relations Board to bring them back. They conducted the interviews over a month ago. We're following that closely. And that's what we have to go through. Here people work, they call themselves an essential industry. They get government aid. I call it socialism for the rich. Uh, and, and, and then they treat the workers that way in the middle of a pandemic. We got national publicity. One of the good things about having Zoom is, is that the media that won't travel to the Valley, this is in Wasco, California, a, a total disgrace. The plant is Primex. They have nature's joy pistachios. They export most of them. So we need to do an international campaign to get them to pay attention uh, to this situation. And they're one among many. We did a survey of another large company that we're uh, still investigating. We got three surveys 
One of them showed that they make they, they keep the bathrooms real clean for some of the, for for some of their operations, but then most most of the workers work with labor contractors, and the bathrooms are filthy in the middle of a pandemic, and no social distancing. We're investigating that right now, so that's what we do. Um, I, I worked on a campaign with Starbucks that many people participated in. We targeted them because we approached them. They ignored the farm workers. These were dairy workers in Washington state where they bought large supplies from Dairy Gold where we found sexual harassment rampant. And so they ignored us. They had an annual meeting coming up. Various religious orders donated stock. And, uh, and we were able to, uh, Jesse Jackson was going for another reason. We were able to speak to him. If Elizabeth Strader is on the line, she helped us engineer uh, the whole ground campaign and dairy workers showed up for a big rally. Victoria Ruddy organized that and uh, along with uh, our, our, our other staff. And, um, and I know shareholders meetings are where they're very vulnerable. This was the new CEO, Kevin Johnson. And at the end of it, you can watch it online. If you go to the 2019 Starbucks annual meeting, the last 15 minutes, are their question period. And so <laughs> uh, out of the 15 questioners and 4,000 people attend the annual meeting, I didn't think we would ever get the mics, but we were able to find from the projectionist union where the mics were situated. Don't tell anybody, that's a trade secret now. And uh, so we situated our people there <laughs> and out of 15 people uh, questioning five were us, including Reverend Jackson and several of the uh, uh, one worker whose mother was sexually harassed, and several clergy, including the head of the and the head of the of the Washington State Labor Council, and got a strong commitment from them to work with us. And they contacted us right away, and we're trying to work out a model program to work with them and other retailers. The other, uh, so I work with the retailers. That's my specialty. I started the relationship with Costco, and Costco has become a major supporter of our efforts. It's nothing like having a large company back your efforts. So we were fighting another big producer. Um, they agreed to put pressure and we were able to get the contract uh, with them. So they helped us um, with that. And the CEO was a strong supporter. He would uh, give a donation to our convention to gift cards at Costco to buy materials for our farm worker conventions. And we have a very strong relationship uh, with uh, them. How am I doing on time? Uh, Eddie, because I could talk for hours, you know. I'm a New Yorker. Trans I'm an LA transplant. You're good, you're good. You can keep going, you're good, you're good. Okay. Uh, let me tell you a little bit what, what I learned from Cesar Chavez. Uh, Fred Ross described him as an organizational genius. And I was fortunate to be able to spend uh, several years working directly for him. And uh, he always said, workers never lose strikes. Um, they just give up. So you got to keep fighting. So that probably was the strongest message. One of our struggles took 32 years on and off, but we stuck with it and we were able to get a, a, a very large uh, contract with that. He had faith in people. He always believed ordinary people could do extraordinary things. And we believe in grassroots organizing where we can go and, uh, and, and, um, and, 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 convince ordinary people to get involved and, and, and become leaders. Dolores Huerta said, uh, the leaders are the people who do the work. So they're not the usual, pe the usual people who you see, but there's people who do, who do the work. And, uh, you know, uh, um, I got trained by, Fred Ross worked with Cesar Chavez and trained him and he, 30, for 10 years, they worked together building a large Latino organization with Dolores Huerta and many others. Um, the community service organization that, that was kind of like the NAACP for Latinos. I had six weeks with Fred Ross, but I, I learned um, the, key, the key thing, and Donna laugh, and that is reminding is the essence of organizing. So people got two, two, two uh, emails from me, one this morning and, and, and another one, and the Farmer Ministry uh, put the word out as well. So I appreciate everybody who took the time and it'll be on Facebook so we could spread the word. Um, I have a quote from a fellow who, you know, I spent a year or two 
hating because of the Vietnam War, but he did a lot of good uh, for um, um, poor people. And that was Lyndon Johnson. I read the Carroll books, the trilogy of books about his bio, very interesting. But he said the roots of hate are poverty, disease, and illiteracy. And uh, he boiled it down, Lyndon Johnson, to inequality, injustice, and poverty. So here we have the most essential workers who have to work suffering disproportionately from a disease. And I can't thank people enough. We, people have supported us. Uh, we're on Twitter, thank goodness. And, uh, and there we've gotten something good. And I think we have to address the 70 million people who voted for that hate monger, uh, Trump, and realize uh, the two root causes of what caused so many people to vote for Trump. Uh, one is technological change. I relate to that because I could barely use the computer. You're lucky I got even on the Zoom uh, today. You know, uh, I don't have those skills. Now I can learn it and I have the opportunity to learn it. And so it's not, you know, it's no one's fault but myself. Many people are displaced and there's no opportunity to learn. They go from a living wage job to no job. So they're, they're, they're stuck. And we need to address that and give people who are victims of technological change um, that uh, opportunity to, to be able to survive in the economy. Um, there's another change, and that's the demographic change. And this is a little actually harder. And we need to tell the truth about this. The school, the, the, California is now a, a majority minority state. In Atlanta, Georgia, the school system is 75% Latino in a state with one 1 million Latinos out of 10 million, 3 million African-Americans and 7 million Af uh, uh, whites and about a, close to a million Asians. And unless we figure out how to live together and work together, we're not gonna be able to uh, turn those haters uh, into uh, uh, accepting and embracing the pluralism instead of fear. If you have that fear, um, you know, that's what leads to some of these uh, problems. So I think we need to all be working together to really embrace pluralism and encourage our neighbors to do the same and realize that because basically people all aspire for the same things. They want to live a, a, a decent life, um, take care of their families, and uh, continue. So um, we can open up, open it up to questions. I pretty much covered everything. And people say, how do you um, survive. I worked with Cesar Chavez for room and board and $10 a week for 16 years. Uh, and uh, I, now I get a good salary with full uh, pension and medical with the United Farm Workers. And I said, you know what? Um, I learned very early that to have a life of meaning is more important than anything. If you don't like your, your job and you have, you're stuck there and you've got to keep working or, or you're being mistreated or abused, you know, that's, then you have all kinds of problems. But if you're doing something for others, whatever it is, whether you're teaching or being a service or doing what you're doing, Eddie, bringing people to the attention, um, you have a life of meaning. And that's, that's, that's the most important thing. You know, I'm reading, rereading the Cesar Chavez book, and he talked about, like my parents talked about, that they were poor, no toilets, uh, outdoors, no electricity. They both, both grew up very poor. Um, but they had rich lives with family and lives of meaning where they were taking care of business and doing things for others. And that's what we all have to aspire to. So questions, please. Thank you. Thank everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself if you want to ask a question or type it on the chat and I will ask it for you. I want to start off with the question, if, if you don't mind Irv, uh, getting the honor. Please. Here. Uh, how do you tie in your Judaism to your entire work? And in the ah, I was saving that page to Shmuley, uh, but, <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm going to give it to you. Um, I have uh, three core values, and it comes from the prophet, prophet Micah. And it's uh, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. A little problem sometimes with the last one, uh, and sometimes with the second one but I'm full, full gear with the first one. So when I saw that, I said, that's, that, that, that's, it, that, that's it for me. And then when I started to become a Sabbath observer about 20 years ago, 
Um, I, I, I went to a great minion where we all participated and sang the service, the Stiebel Minion. It's the best davening in town. And Ikar, which is a social justice minion. So I go to two different minions. Um, and I started to see the Bible through an organizer's eyes. And I realized, I think, I think the uh, Rabbi um, Sachs wrote a story about how Abraham, he's the great uh, rabbi who just passed away from Britain, the, the chief rabbi, Rabbi uh, Sachs, David Sachs. Abraham, when he left um, the, where he was living and, and, and uh, God instructed him, actually led marches and rallies and, and had a team that spread the word of a new organization. Well, that's what Arturo Rodriguez the, the, uh, and Cesar Chavez do when they've done the long marches the United Farm Workers do. Uh, so I said, wow. Uh, and then I, I remember a leaflet when I first joined the Farm Workers Union and it said, God called a strike once. They were talking about Passover. That was a strike. People stopped working. Uh, because they wanted not to be slaves and to be able to practice their religion and they wanted freedom. And that, and the Exodus, you know, has been a great source of inspiration for the civil rights movement. And they stopped work on the pyramids. And I think a little bit of my work, Moses is my first big hero, then uh, 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 Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and of course, Cesar Chavez uh, and Dolores Huerta. But um, I consider the plagues, Kind of what I do a little bit, you know, we start boycotts, we, we, we pick it. We're, we're basically telling people don't buy from someone because they're bad and they increase in severity. Uh, so I kind of get inspiration from uh, that. And I just saw a recent interpretation that uh, the new chief of staff from Biden said that uh, the, you could, maybe the plagues were a virus and people had to socially distance and wear masks. I love that interpretation. But also as an organizer, we look for the Nakshons, the people who jump into the Red Sea, even though the water was rising. And that's important because we need somebody to take the plunge and willing to stand up for justice and then others follow. And that's the hosts of the house meetings. And lastly, Jacob. Jacob was the first worker who worked for someone else. Abraham and Isaac didn't do that. Um, and he got cheated. He had to work an extra seven years. Jacob needed a union. So I, I, I call this Street Torah, and Shmuley is invited to edit my, uh, and, and help me write the next book. It's for organizers. Um, inspirations from the Old Testament for this 68-year-old uh, organizer. People say, when are you gonna retire, Irv? I said, well, my dad worked till he was 92. I think I'm on the 90 and out plan. So don't hold your breath. Thank you. So go ahead and unmute yourself and ask a question, folks. Hello. Hello from Orange County. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you. Oh, great. Well, um, greetings uh, to you all and Irv especially, who, as you know, I'm a great admirer of your work and also the unions. I've worked with the Orange County Interfaith Committee to aid farm workers here in Orange County where you've spoken many times, Irv, and I appreciate that. And I have a question, um, and that is a question that's asked me many times because I do work in labor and employment law. And that is, uh, why should they, the labor organizers have a right to intervene in the relationship between a private company and an individual, uh, individual employee? And this relates to this new case that's been accepted by the U.S. Supreme Court, the Cedar Point Nursery case, which is uh, possibly going to have an impact on farm worker organizing and organizing in other industries as well. So that would be my general question, Irv, and thank you again for speaking to us. Well, thank, thank you for asking. Um, it's true there is a case coming for the Supreme Court that would uh, prevent access from organizers. Well, as you know, Bill, uh, that came about because many growers have farm workers living on the property. So they have rights as renters, basically, even though um, they, and they charge them for that when there were labor camps. And um, it was basically because of the difficulty of, of migrant workers being able to give, make them aware of their rights. So there's a lot of restrictions. You can only go before work, during lunch period or after work, not during working hours. 
so it's no invasion of the of their of their right, it, and we fought that battle uh, there, and, and we need to explain to the public, which is why I thank you for asking why we need that, because people because the workers need to know their basic rights, and that's the only place you could reach them in an effective manner. It's not like a factory where you stand outside and everybody goes in. These fields could be spread apart and, uh, and people could work in one field one day or one field the other day. So there's no way to get a hold of people. And when they give us the addresses, they usually give wrong addresses. So we're stuck uh, there. So, you know, like most things, there'll be um, um, setbacks. And I expect the US Supreme Court might, might give us one. But there are many ways to get around that if we have to. Uh, farm workers have cell phones now. Um, they're on WhatsApp. So we're finding that as we use technology, there'll be more ways to make people aware of their rights. So it won't be the end of what we're doing. It'll be a setback. I'm hoping they don't do it. And sometimes, you know, I learned this also very young. Don't judge. Uh, 30% of people self-identified as conservatives, right-wingers, support farm workers' rights because they know the conditions are so horrible. So many a time when I'm picketing, I learn, go up to everybody and ask them. As we saw with Justice Roberts on um, Obamacare, when he, when, he, when he left the majority of, of right-wingers and, 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 and saved Obamacare, uh, uh, now we've got a bigger hurdle but we all, uh, people need to remember uh, that farm workers provide the food they eat. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the better angels. We'll see. Thank you, Irv. Okay, so um, if anybody doesn't want to go ahead and ask, I'm going to go ahead and ask Patrick's question. Um, what are your thoughts about the potential progress in the terms of the DOL, OSHA, and the state-level equivalents of, of reinvigorating enforcements under the Biden-Harris administration? Well, um, I think the best enforcement is a union contract. Um, Julie, Julie Sue, it, it, I hope becomes Secretary of Labor because she knows us. Um, she, uh, she's a dark horse candidate, you might say, because there's uh, the labor movement wants two other candidates and they have a lot of power to get that. And Bernie Sanders wants it, which actually he gets it. Uh, he knows it's all about enforcement as does my good friend, Antonio Villaragosa. He said, you know, if I get to be governor, I'll be doing enforcement. And we have high hopes for Gavin Newsom also. He appointed Julie Sue, who believes in enforcement. Uh, but, you know, you can never enforce enough uh, with, with, with the state. We need the workers to stand up, let us know, and fight for their rights uh, and, and be empowered to do that. As Cesar Chavez said, there's so many of us. The only thing that stops us from organizing is our own fear. By the way, the Cesar Chavez movie, which you can get on Netflix, I found to be very powerful in showing the organizing process. So we need to uh, get out there, keep organizing. Uh, we got, you know, Trump is planning on being president in 2024. I hope you uh, realize that. Uh, he's thinking of running again. He's going to keep his base and all the money donors. And as we saw when, when Lyft and uh, Uber put $100 million to killing uh, workers become getting all the benefits they should get as employees, that money, money talks. So we need to get money out of politics. We need uh, major change. And I'm convinced that uh, Kamala Harris gets it. Her, her book, To Tell the Truth, I picked up 10 bucks at Costco, was one of the best reads uh, from her. I learned a lot. Uh, so I would, I would uh, I'm optimistic, but I wouldn't rely on anybody but the workers' power empowering themselves. Thank you, Irv. Uh, reminder, folks, you can still uh, unmute yourself and ask a question, or you can type uh, in the questions below. Need a Go ahead. Um, sure. Irv, um, it's been um, many, many years since I used to see you at the Young Israel of New Hyde Park when you would visit. Uh, I was trying to recollect you. I remember you got arrested. <laughs> and. Uh, it's so, so many years since I picketed in front of supermarkets in Queens to boycott grapes and lettuce. And um, I'm, uh, you know, um, still a proud union person. I, I taught for 36 years. Uh, I'm a proud member of the United Federation of Teachers. And I hope I, uh, 
I reached many, many children because I had some great teachers in my life. And it's, it's very good to see you. You look healthy. Uh, keep up the struggle there. I do, I'm on the UFT, I'm a, the United Farm Workers uh, emails and I send petitions and I sign petitions and um, uh, the struggle still continues. And it's very nice to see you. I'm also very glad, this is a personal note to, to hear that your mom is still alive. Uh, your father bent my ear many, many times and, um, and I'm glad she's alive. My mother is 97 and thank God doing as well as she could be. And um, all of us should go from strength to strength and remember that the most vulnerable um, are the people that we must take care of to make a great society. Thank you, Joe. And I wanna just uh, point out that you were one of the heroes that made it possible for us to have a union. Uh, one out of every four Americans boycotted uh, grapes in the 70, in the 60, from 65 to 70, and then supported us uh, from then on in. So uh, we're here because of your efforts and it's great to see you again. And uh, shoot me an email, my name uh, at hotmail.com. Okay, we will do. It's great to see you. We're gonna be doing some organizing in New York after this COVID is over. So you'll enjoy helping us with that. Thank you. In regards to your mom. We got another question here. How does Irv open dialogue with conservative religious groups, which include all major religions that have embraced the evil of uh, this administration under the uh, guise of pro-life? Uh, what does the doctrine really promote death? When this doctrine really promotes death? I'm sorry, can you just give me the essence of the question? I, basically, they're trying to see how do you open up dialogues with people who don't agree with you, primarily ah. like right-winger. Well, well uh, let me give a shout out to the National Farm Worker Ministry. In every, in every group, there's people who don't agree. So I, what I learned from my new favorite textbook, Dale Carnegie's A Guide to Influencing People, uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People, actually has a lot of stories, is look for areas of common agreement. Start with that. Uh, and then, um, you know, there's going to be issues where you're going to continue to disagree. And if possible, try to see things from their viewpoint. Uh, from the, uh, Charlie and I had a conversation, I think it was yesterday, where I said, you know, uh, um, many Catholics voted against Biden because of abortion. But there's others who voted for Biden because they like it when someone, once they're born, gets taken care of. You got to take care of the whole person. And so you got to have, so they saw more issues to favor Biden on, take, you know, providing good jobs and doing all the other things that, that weren't being provided by, the, by uh, Trump. And uh, it outweighed the abortion issue. So it's tough. But, and also what Cesar Chavez taught me is to win. You don't need everybody. A boycott could be won by 5%, a more, a work a employer that's a little more difficult, 10%. We have some employers that we might need 30% uh, support, but we have way more than that. So it becomes an organizing problem. We need to organize the consumers to really take action. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of consolidation of retailers and that's forced consolidation of growers. So I used to have to visit 10 people in Los Angeles to get them to support us. I visit two now, if they don't support us, they're in a pretty much a monopoly situation. So we need to um, change that. If, you're, if you have all that monopoly power, you gotta be more responsible to people. So we have a lot of work to do. And uh, you know, what, I'm, what I'm hopeful is, is now we can get to work. We were fighting a defensive battle with Trump all the time. Before he, he's, he left, he lowered wages of workers that the growers bring in uh, H2A workers to try to cut those wages. So we have a lot of uh, damage control to do and work to do to get back to doing good stuff. But first on the order is let's get the 50% of the workers who are undocumented, a path to citizenship so they're not afraid for their very lives. Stop breaking the families up, which is, was a disgrace, a mistake made during the Obama administration that Trump escalated and let's get moving. 
Thank you. Uh, Frank uh, Belts is asking, say more about the or what ordinary people need to be doing right now to help the Georgia Senate runoff. Ah, um, we're, we're getting our act together and I'll be, and you contact me by, De by December 1st, we should have our uh, planning in place, but it's critical to um, do it. Uh, I saw Liz was sending, sending postcards to unregistered people. Um, people who are uh, not registered can register to vote, I think until December 6th. So we have a few days that go as minimal to get 25,000 people registered. So one person matters. We, we went into Arizona where 5 million people voted or 7 million people voted and, and we won by 10,000 votes. You know, uh, I had a, a 30, I had 50 people calling and, and we got uh, 50 people on the ground. So that's, and, and, the, and the hotel workers had 200 people knocking on doors. So in Georgia, I'm gonna resuscitate our phone group because they're all activists, you could join that. Or you could just contact uh, Stacey Abrams' organization. She registered 800,000 two years ago. If we all did that in each state, we'd have a different country. Oh, let me get you throw this statistic at you. Half the people who are eligible to vote don't bother registering. Out of that number, except for this election, half don't vote. So we're fighting corporate power with, with a two-cylinder car. They're running with eight cylinders, we're running with two, you know? So that's a problem. So what Stacey Abrams is a heroine. I, I hope they appoint her attorney general of the United States there. She got victimized. She ran for governor. They purged, what the Republicans did was they purged everybody before the vote, what Trump tried to do this time. Before, in, in, in the Southern states, as you know, they would kill you if you tried to register to vote. That wasn't so long ago. So people give their lives to vote. What we do with the Latino community is we persist. I personally knocked on doors on many campaigns. I'll tell you a little story if you got another minute here. Uh, I think I was in Stockton. I forget which town. I worked in so many campaigns. And I would knock on, we, we would work four days before the election in one precinct. I knew the dogs by the time I, I, I uh, finished the fourth day. So I knocked on the door of someone on election day, promised to vote around 11 o'clock. They said, well, come back in the afternoon. So I came back at two, still hadn't voted. Could you come back around, around five o'clock? I came back at five. It was a, it was a, it was a guy in a room and his, you know, he was wearing boxer shorts. I said, I, I lost my temper. I said, God damn, put on your pants and get to the polls right away. He did. He, he put it because it was the third time I was talking to him. That's what you got to do. Reminding is the essence of organizing. Fred Ross's great gift and lesson. And I learned how to remind people without bugging them. And another mentor of mine, uh, Frank Ortiz, taught me this, is give someone some information. Eddie, how are you doing today? By the way, you didn't get a hold of Shmuley to put me on again. Eddie, it's been a nice day. Then you don't feel like you're pestering people. Just give them some information, bug the hell out. You could bug them, I could bug you every day. I'm giving you something. So I learned that lesson. I became unstoppable. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and take the privilege of asking another question. And uh, this is an interesting question because I, I feel that like we both share these exact same dynamics. As a Latino man uh, who, of Mexican descent and who also partakes um, ideology and community in the Jewish community, um, how, how do you organize the Latino community being uh, from an outside stance uh, to, to really mobilize? And how do you mobilize the Jewish community to really uh, partake action in, in standing up for the Latino community, in this case, in labor movements? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me take the first one. I have to think a little bit more for the second one. Um, the Latino community, I'll go back to Cesar Chavez's example. You know how Fred Ross found Cesar Chavez? He went to a priest and they were doing some well, well baby work and he's looking for people who would be active in the community. And, uh, and the priest suggested, this is in San Jose, South Cipuedes, great story, suggested um, uh, Cesar Chavez and, he, and Fred Ross asked why. Well, 
I know he's more cares more about affairs because everyone else reads the sports page or the comics. Uh, that guy Chavez, he reads the whole newspaper. So Fred Russell went to see the Chavez. So you go to the influence channels in the community. Who has influence? And then what Cesar Chavez heard that the community service organization, which was the Solinsky group that Fred Ross ran, actually did the bloody Christmas case where they put police in jail for beating Latinos. Does that sound familiar? You know, uh, with with um, uh, what's going on with George, the, remember George Floyd instance? Police brutality issue. Uh, and, um, and, uh, that influenced Cesar Chavez, and, and he described the organizing process as something that you could do, just get your friends over, and then, and then they'll find people um, uh, who could find other people. So for the Latino community, it's a bottom-up strategy. It's finding those people of influence and getting their, them to support, support the issue. In the Jewish community, it's a different um, story, but it's the same story. There's so many organizations that do outreach I, I contribute to New Ground that does Jewish-Muslim relationship. Ben the Ark does justice organizations. Uri Tzedek, your organization, stands up for people in detention centers. That's a model. I refer to uh, Shmuley as the most progressive Orthodox rabbi in the country. I know there's others. I just don't know them. You know, uh, there's many others uh, that I remember. And so rabbis have influence, have, have influence. Um, I'm approaching, going to be approaching a rabbi who's going to help me with a um, with the Mormon Church in Salt Lake City. Why? Um, I found out through third parties that the Mormons are going to be buying a company that's important to us. So uh, I want to have outreach to them to see if they can help us with that relationship. So uh, the National Farm Worker Ministry does that job every day. Susan Darwish is on the line. Um, and she runs the Orange County Committee, so people could are interested in finding out more what they do. It would help um, everybody. Thank you so, uh, for the shout out, uh, Uri Litzetic. It, it, it's honestly a, a blessing. Um, for uh, there's, there's uh, unmute yourself if you want to ask a question. Uh, go ahead and ask your questions, or go ahead and type them on the bottom. You know, I, I just must say that, and, and this is probably a topic for a whole nother, uh, another discussion. Um, I feel, number one, uh, I, I practice in a, uh, an orthodox way of, of, of davening. Um, uh, I see my neighborhood in New York with so many Trump signs on my, my friend's lawns. Um, many of them say I'm on the Kool-Aid and, uh, and things like that because uh, um, the Biden sign was stolen off my lawn. Um, I, I, I feel very disheartened that I feel so many people who came here as immigrants, as Herb's parents did and my parents did, and my father, my parents, my grandparents worked hours and hours on, on uh, sewing machines in the garment district. And my grandmother first came home and started cooking late at night for her family. Uh, and she was a stop steward for the uh, International Ladies Garment Workers Union. I just feel that so many people have somehow in a generation or two forgotten their roots, forgotten that they, they were welcomed in this country, not by everybody. There were people who, who hated Jews and hated the Irish and hated the Italians. And, but we fought that. And now why are we fighting people who are trying to escape the horrors of Central America and, and other places and... Um, I don't know how to reach these people, but I keep trying. I don't give up because that's that's what's in me, uh, and that's what we all have to do. But I'm just I'm very disheartened that so many people have forgotten where they came from, and um, and uh, it, as I said, that might be for another whole discussion. Um, but um, you know, I, I I'm very proud of. Uh, 
what I've done in my life as a, as an organizer for many things, and um, and um, I, I you know I, I I wish more people would would wake up and realize that um, the only people here who were not immigrants are the Native Americans who who came here, welcomed them, and then we shot them all. So um, I leave you with that. Thank you so much for that, um, Joe. Uh, speaking of natives, I always give shout out to my native uh, great friend, Rosetta Walker, who's joining our call today, who uh, gave her time as a poll watcher and a poll as a poll worker, sorry. Uh, and, and she's just an inspiration for me and others in the Jewish community here. Um, I see that Tez, you raised your hand. Um, you can go ahead and unmute yourself if you would like to ask a question or a comment. Eddie and Irv, thank you for doing this. This is great. This is Tess Brown in Quincy. Hi, Liz, up the road from me. And Irv, um, and I see some others. I see Mary Jean and some of the others who are on. So Jean Butillier got me involved with farm workers long ago from Wisconsin. Um, I'm a Roman Catholic sister, but I just appreciate what you all have been saying. And, you know, and you talk about inspiration. So I was thinking, you know, the whole spectrum, you and Irv, I see actors on and several others and, and what Joe just said. And I think we, the work you have done in the field, I've been trying to be good at home, but doing a lot of Zoom and some of the interfaith work we've been doing here with supporting workers here in Massachusetts, but also seeing how we can create this new day going forward. And it's not a new normal because normal before left out so many folks, but how do we really continue working together. So thanks for the inspiration and thanks for reminding us of the people who picked the food. I just got away from the phone because my neighbor says I'm not going out for Thanksgiving. I'm going to bring you a plate of vegetables. I said, but well, that's what we're talking about, the people who pick the vegetables. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you and just thank keep you. it going. And if you have any other ideas, I saw Liz was talking about, you know, like supporting the people from Georgia from here, but also, of, you know, how do we continue as the faith community to, to remind others about the farm workers and connecting it, as Joe said, with the people on the border. Like one of the other things I'm really concerned about, I uh, wake up every morning thinking of the, the 626 kids who were separ separated from their parents and they still haven't been, you know, reunited and just wondering how we keep that to the forefront as well as the folks who are in the fields in the mud. Well, we, ha we have uh, uh, Cabinet Secretary Mayorkas yeah. Appointed uh, today. I heard him speak. I don't know him. Uh, a Cuban refugee uh, and also the person who created the DACA program. So I think I think this is going to be something uh, uh, major uh, being done. But it's a it's a process. You know, um, we ha we, we uh, um, at one point we were close to getting immigration reform and we need to reinvigorate that movement because that you know, and, 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 and if the economy comes roaring back, that's the time to do that. As they say, you can't get justice when there's two people hungry and one slice of bread, you know, not enough for either one. So when the economy is better, uh, that's the time we'll be able to really get that done. So immigration reform is on the agenda. Also, uh, Julie uh, Rodriguez, Chavez Rodriguez yeah, that's is, great news. is in the... Um, hallway with the president and so her pre her, her grandfather is Cesar Chavez so uh sh she'll be a, a a tremendous advocate and she has an important job where gov every governor who wants federal resources will have to uh, go to her from the from the from federal from the federal government so I think I think the new administration is proving to be an excellent uh choice of people. John Kerry is doing the climate change. Uh, he's been a big supporter. Arturo Rodriguez campaigned with him in Texas. His wife has, has been a UFW supporter. So we're getting, we're getting uh, I think now we've reached the point of critical mass where we have enough people in enough places to do the transformational change that, that the country needs. Uh, they're experimenting with in Long Beach and they're doing in Stockton with universal basic income. Figuring out if poor people have some income, then they could improve the economy. That's what the agricultural industry um, discovered with food stamps. They became an advocate for food stamps for poor people because they poor people could buy agricultural products. And 
I think um, you might not have heard this, but Arturo Rodriguez is in the running to be Secretary of Agriculture. Wow. We'll see. Yes. Go ahead. Bird, can you hear me? I hear you and see you and you look great. Thank you. I just, my question is, why don't we, do, do we have a chance under this new administration to get the farm workers and domestics included under the National Labor Relations Act? Instead of, I mean, California's in, conditions are much better than many other states. And Washington and New York state have implemented some of the protections. But I think everybody knows that farm workers and domestics are include are excluded from uh, the National Labor Relations Act of 1938. Why don't we put the effort into covering the whole country instead of you working? Know, you, you know, we're trying to do that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. I finished. We're trying to do that with heat illness and with overtime, and we can't get that through the whole country yet. So I think we got to walk before we can run. And the worst thing is to pass a law and not have an organized workforce to take advantage of it. That's what New York did. And in the last year, not only did we not get a chance to organize because of COVID, but some of we, we, we have some competitors who think by signing people up, it's easy to organize and are telling people not to support us. So I think we got to be ready for that. We got to have workers organized and demanding it themselves. To get overtime in California, we tried four times and couldn't get it. And when we went the fifth time, we didn't want to try again. We didn't think we could do it. The worker said, but that's what we need. We want that bill. So we told them, okay, we'll try a fifth time, but you got to give up work and show up in Sacramento to help us get that. And they had to show up twice and, and we got it. So now what do the growers do? They're funding a labor contractor organization to confuse people called the Farm Worker Foundation, a phony group, and they're going to counter bring people to oppose us in oh. Sacramento. I'm not so worried because workers are smart, you know, uh, but I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if you don't have an organized workforce, the legislation is it's worth nothing, or as we say in Yiddish, Gornish. You need an organized workforce in every state demanding that. That's what, what, hap what happened when they passed the NLRA. Workers were trying to organize. They were, they were there. They were pushed down and ready. But farm workers haven't gotten to that state yet. Let's get the basic protections done first, like give them overtime like every other worker, which everybody supports. When people, when, when, people, when Driscoll complained about overtime for farm workers and went to um, their suppliers to try to get pressure. The supplier said, don't they have it already? Uh, you know what I mean? Because yeah. um, they, they, Cisco and the other unionized supporters. So um, as someone said, dig the well before you become thirsty. Mm. Let's, let's prepare the ground in every state together to be able, before we can get those kind of great bet transformational reforms. I'm not saying that's take forever either. You know, we're in Wisconsin right now helping uh, workers fight for uh, masks and everything else. We got we got some money and we're doing that. We're in New York. Um, we we did a survey and we have the names and addresses in Mexico and in Jamaica of 1,500 H2A workers in, that work regularly in New York. So we're doing things uh, to prepare that groundwork. Things that people don't know about. I was distressed that we had to sue the Democratic governor of Washington to get some protections. And we sued, we sued uh, the Democratic governor of California to get the heat regulations in. Oh, we wow. marched on everybody. And we're going to march again to get legislation we're going to do to change the, the voting choice uh, so people could vote with, uh, from their homes for union representation if they want it. We have that coming uh, legislation. So the struggle doesn't end, but there's no shortcuts, I know. as you know. I know. Thank yeah. you. And, and look, uh, people need to know that the Suzanne Darwish is working in the longest running farmworker support group in the nation that started in 1966, annually fighting every day. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Suzanne. We appreciate you.
We appreciate Earth. Thank you so much for making this possible. Earl Atletic is proud to stand in partnership with a UFW and continuing support and, and advocating for human rights because I think that advocating is such a huge Torah value. And the mitzvot, the Torah is truly two things. To be able to study Torah, Torah, but to be able to implicate it, to be able to apply it to our day-to-day -day lives. And part of that Jewish value is to stand up for the most oppressed communities, to stand up in the face of injustice, stand loud, stand boldly, and routinely. Uh, Uri Lezetic is proud to bring uh, this uh, program in in, in uh, partnership with Ikar, who we are so happy uh, that joined this uh, programming in. Thank you, everybody who uh, made this possible. We appreciate you. If you want to follow up with us, uh, uh, go ahead and email me at eddie at utsetic.org. I'm going to place my email on the chat. Unfortunately, we did run out of time, folks, but more programming like this will be available. If you missed out and want to watch the recording, send me an email and I can make it possible. Eddie, this, can I just do one quickie? Go for it. Uh, uh, Suzanne, I can't believe I saw you in 1962 was the last time. Anyway, the uh, UFW alumni group on Facebook, you can go to and ask to be admitted. Uh, if you ask to be admitted to my personal Susan Drake account, uh, I'm not admitting you to that. So uh, UFW alumni group on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody have an amazing day. If I don't get to see you and you observe Shabbat Shalom, a warm hug, and a, and a amazing in my in my most beautiful sense and uh, a warm and I hope this warms you up. Si se puede, yes we can. Irv, sending you a huge virtual hug, brother. I hope that thank one you. day we can see each other soon. Take care, Take everybody. Care. Thank you very much, and thank you, everybody, for listening.